Amen. Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1, if you have it, say amen. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Now let's look at the qualifications of these men to allow them to step into this new position opening up within the church. And this position required them to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Somebody say Stephen. When they chose Stephen, they chose a man that was full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And they also chose Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Someone say, and the word of God increased. And the number of disciples was multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. That's what we want. We don't want to just be followers. We want to be disciples of Jesus, right? Amen. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, you see, the first time we hear about Stephen, he's just full of faith in the Holy Ghost. But the second time we hear about Stephen, he's full of faith and power. Did and, and Stephen, now that he's full of faith and power, he did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen did. For the next few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, the Lord spoke to me this phrase uh, this morning as I was studying and praying for this service, and it's what I'm going to do my best to preach to you today, the disruptive nature of revival. Amen. The disruptive nature of revival. I want you, if it's appropriate, to link up with the person next to you. And I want you to lift that hand unto heaven. And in one mind, one accord, for one purpose, I want you to lift your voices one more time. And I want you to ask that God would have his will and his way in this service today. Lord, I love you. I know that you are able to do all things. I submit my motive, my agenda, quicken your scriptures within my mind, allow me to speak what you want me to speak. Lord, I pray that you would fill every empty vessel in this room with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that we would see a mighty outpouring of your spirit and a great demonstration of your power and your anointing in this place today. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done in this place. Come on, let's worship just for a few more moments. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
The first four words of Acts chapter 6 is where we're going to start here today. And the first four words are, and in those days. Now, that is very foundational because it brings context to the text. Every text has a context. And, and when people are going to deliver something to you and, and they want to build a doctrine off of one scripture, I'm a little miffed about that because every scripture is given within context of all scripture. Because all scripture was given by inspiration from God. Holy men of old moved under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost as they wrote what you and I call the Holy Bible. 66 books that are really comprised to make up one beautiful message and that message is Jesus is all that you and I really need. Amen. Do you believe that? We just need Jesus. Amen. And in those days, you will see that uh, you are in the days of apostolic, genuine revival. You are in the days where God is pouring out his spirit on a great, mighty scale. Uh, if you do a little study between Acts 1 and Acts 6, you'll see uh, that there's a little bit of disagreement on the exact timeline, but they suggest that it's somewhere between two and five years that has been spent between the initial outpouring of God's Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and the moment that the church is in now in Acts chapter 6. And so in the initial outpouring of God's Spirit, Spirit, you find that there was a hundred and twenty people in an upper room. They were there because in Acts chapter 1 God told them to go and tarry in Jerusalem for there is a promise that is coming from on high. And that promise was told to them if you go back to John chapter 14 you find Jesus having a conversation with his disciples and he tells his disciples I I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He tells his disciples that I am the comforter and that I am going to come to you. And the day that Jesus came to them by spirit was in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. The initial, the beginning of the outpouring of God's spirit. 120 people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues. Amen. And then you see the progression of that moment as these tongue talkers were being loud and exuberant in what was going on. It began to get noised abroad throughout the streets and out in the streets. You hear that there are people that are hearing what is going on in this upper room. And while they are hearing this, they draw the conclusion, these folks must be drunk. But thanks be to God that Peter stood under the unction of the Holy Ghost and says these men and women are not drunk as ye suppose. This is not the kind of wine that you think it is. It's a new wine. It's called the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. And so they are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And from the original 120 that are filled, the noise that is loosed from the upper room sparks a mighty revival as Peter stands and he preaches to this great people. You must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. He also says something very profound, very powerful. He says, this same Jesus whom you have crucified has become both Lord and Christ. Now, this is important because in the Old Testament, they knew him as Lord, Yahweh the living God. In the New Testament, they saw Jesus as the Christ. And so what Peter did in that moment was he grabbed a hold of the Jews of the Old Testament and he grabbed a hold of the people that were going to hear who Jesus was and he says the same Jesus whom you crucified he is both Lord Old Testament and he is both Christ New Testament because there's one Lord and Jesus is his name the devils know that there is one God and they tremble and when they heard that the man whom they had crucified was the Messiah, the Bible says that they were pricked in their hearts. And 3,000 people are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a mighty kind of revival. And then from there you find that, that uh, uh, Peter and John go into the temple and, and they heal the lame man. This lame man has been uh, lame for 40 years according to scripture. And, and the Bible says that they look at him and they say, uh, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And, and his bones come together and the man goes leaping and dancing through the temple. And through that you see a mighty outpouring of God's spirit because in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 4, you will see that 5,000 men believed on the Lord. If you take the same math equation that is used in Matthew chapter 14 when it said that 5,000 men besides the women and children received, scholars say there's somewhere around 25 and 30,000 people. I kind of believe that in Acts chapter 4, it could have been possible that somewhere between 25,000 people were filled with the Spirit of God. I see, I'm going to stretch your thinking a little bit. It's possible for in one service that many people to get the Holy Ghost. It's happened. Amen. And then the outpouring of God's Spirit gets so intense, the Bible says that just Peter's shadow passing by people. I need you to think about that. My shadow doesn't have an anointing. But Peter sure did. Peter would walk by people in his shadow as he walked by them. It would resurrect people. It would heal people. Anybody that could get a touch of what the apostles were doing, it was getting them up. It was moving them. It was, it was anointing them. And they were, they were being healed and delivered and set free. That's genuine book of Acts apostolic revival. This church is a church that understands the power of the miraculous. We have seen people filled with the Holy Ghost over the last few nights. We have seen miracles take place over the last few nights. Why? Because this church is in apostolic genuine revival. 
Glenn Ferris Apostolic Church I've come to this podium today to preach to every person you're not in a revival that's going to come you're in a revival that's already here and you need to praise God because he's outpouring his spirit you need to rejoice because he's ready to heal you need to magnify God because he's ready to deliver I'm here today to tell you he can deliver you from anything that you're warring against he can deliver you from anything that you're fighting. He can deliver you from every emotional baggage that you've brought here today. He can break the chains of alcoholism. He can break the chains of nicotine. He can break the chains of any alcohol or drug or any type of struggle that you have. There's no God like our God. About three months ago, I was preaching in Lebanon, Missouri. I was talking about how God is a deliverer and this very large man. He intimidated me. I'm going to be honest with you. He came forward and lifted his hands and began to weep under the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. You're never too big or too mighty to weep under the power of the Holy Ghost. That man was in the presence of God. He lifted his hands and tears began to flow. As those tears began to flow, he threw his hands up. I laid my hand on his head. God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He had a pack of Marlboro Red 100s. When the moment that Holy Ghost hit him, he took those cigarettes out and he threw them on the altar. He said, I don't need these anymore. And God immediately delivered him from a long time habit of nicotine. I'm telling you, God's in the business of deliverance and when you step into a season of apostolic revival he can deliver you from anything he can set you free from everything it doesn't matter what you've brought here our God is a deliverer it doesn't matter what you've come fighting our God is a deliverer it doesn't matter what you brought here today our God can deliver you set you free pick you up turn you around and place your feet on the rock to stay God's a deliverer. Just two weeks ago, I was preaching in Calvary Apostolic Church in Columbus, Ohio. There was a man there by the name of Bill. Bill had tattoos all over his arms. He had big gauges in his ears. He had long hair, beard. He had tattoos going up his neck all across his face. And he stood there the whole time I was preaching. He didn't move. I'm like, boy... This man really doesn't want to be here. Service was going. Altar call was moving. And I went down to Bill. I said, Bill, don't you understand that Jesus loves you? And Bill said, I'm just battling so much within myself. I said, let's pray together, Bill. He lifted his hands and, and I prayed everything I knew to pray. And Bill just stood there. No tears. No shukamashaka just stood there and really kind of looked at me. I got done praying with him. I said, Bill, do you know the power of baptism? He said, tell me about it. I said, the Bible says that when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, that old things are passed away, that all things become new, that when you come up out of that water, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus and everything that is of your past is no longer a part of your present and it doesn't have to follow you into your future. And Bill looked right at me and these were his words. Pastor, he said, it can't be that easy. 
I had him right where I wanted him, right there. I looked right at Bill. I said, Bill, it can be that easy. You know why? Because the Bible said that Jesus bought you with the precious blood. And the day he died on Calvary's cross, and that blood ran down that cross, he made it that easy for you and for me to be washed of every sin, to be cleansed of everything that in it. I said, Bill, do you want to be baptized? He said, if it's really that easy, I want to be baptized. We baptized Bill in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I put my hand on his head when he come up out of that water. Bill immediately started speaking in tongues. Bill started rejoicing. Now listen, he's a stoic man. Well, I'm telling you everything I told him about. He was just stone-faced, built a stone. But when he come up out of that water and God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I'll never forget as long as I live. I see it almost every time I close my eyes. He turned and he had the biggest smile I've ever seen on anybody's face. I said, Bill, it feels good, doesn't it? He said, it feels real good. Because when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's the greatest thing in the whole world. It'll change your life. It'll change everything about you. It'll change how you walk, how you talk, how you live, what there's nothing like the power of the Holy Ghost oh lift your hands right now I want you to call upon the name of the Lord for just a minute from the left to the right from the front to the back would you just call upon the name of Jesus well come on really lift your voices just for a few minutes Really call upon the name of the Lord just for a few minutes. You see, it was in these type of days that you and I are living in right now. That's where Israel, or that's where the church was at in Acts chapter 6. They were in the days of apostolic revival. And see, when you're in the days of revival... The Lord spoke something to me this morning. He said, my people don't want revival as they pray for it. They pray for revival, but really they only want good church. Because true revival is disruptive in its nature. I want to preach to this church for just a minute. And I'm going to slow down because I want you to hear me. God is sending and has sent a revival to this place. And it's going to disrupt your status quo. And it's going to, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, it's going to disrupt your normal. The church could have been happy with some, let's just say on the low side, three. it would have been somewhere around 13,120 that was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not if you include the fact that in Acts chapter 3, the Bible says, and they added to the church daily. And so if you have somewhere between three and five years of church, and they added to the church daily before Acts chapter 6, really, you're upwards about 15,000 people that are attending the church in Jerusalem. They could have been happy with a church of 15,000. They could have just maintained that powerful, large church of 15,000. I don't know about you, but 15,000 saints sounds pretty good. But when they got to that point in the revival, the apostles 
could not maintain on their own anymore. And some issues arose out from among the people because the widows were now being neglected in the daily ministration. So what the daily ministration was is they had to set out a table and they had to give a, a dividend per day to the widows so that they would have enough money to buy food or they would give them food and they would have enough money to get through the week. But when that season came for the church, the Bible says that the apostles said among themselves, listen, we've got to keep praying. We've got to keep studying because we're trying to get a fresh word for the revival that God is pouring out and we've got to be ready and instant. And so this is what we need. We need seven men of honest report. These men got to be full of the Holy Ghost and they got to be full of wisdom. Can I preach to you today? Now more than ever, God needs you to be full of the Holy Ghost. In the days of apostolic revival, God doesn't need you full of carnality. God doesn't need you full of lust. God doesn't need you full of perversion. God needs us full of his spirit. I wonder what would happen if we turned the voices of the world off for a season and we turned up the voice of God for a season and we locked ourselves away and we just allowed God to disrupt us in every single point of our life. Can I preach to you? God is wanting to send a mighty rushing wind. God is wanting to send a mighty revival. You're just on the foundation of it, but it's gonna take more than just the ministry and willing to flow. God needs those from the church to get full of the Holy Ghost and start doing a work for God. Oh, I, I had a feeling it would get tight right there. We got to get full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. We can get full of everything else in the world, but when you're full of the Holy Ghost, hear me, when, when, when the cup begins to overflow, that's when the miraculous starts to happen in our lives. It's no wonder that when Jesus turned the water into wine, he said, fill it all the way to the top. Because when it gets to the top, I believe if they would have filled it halfway, the miraculous wouldn't have happened. If they would have filled it three quarters of the way, the miraculous wouldn't have happened. But when they filled the vessel all the way, it is at the brimming of the fullness of the time that when it's full, that sift takes place and it turns from water into wine. That's what happens when you get full of the Holy Ghost. You start to praise him. And while you're praising him, it starts here. And you say hallelujah again. And it gets to here. And you say hallelujah again. And it gets to here. And you say hallelujah again. And it gets to here. And then when you get to that final hallelujah, it brims over. God takes control. And you start speaking in a heavenly language. That's the shift that happens when you get full of the Holy Holy Ghost. God needs us full of his spirit right now. Oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, help me right now. Hear me. It's going to disrupt our everyday life. It's going to disrupt how we go about our business. You're going to just try to sit down at a restaurant and somebody's going to come up to you and say, what's different about you? And you're going to have to say, let me tell you about a man. His name is Jesus. He saved me. He healed me. He changed me. 
you're going to be doing your regular daily devotion, just praying, trying to touch God, and all of a sudden, God's going to show you a face of somebody, and you're going to say, I know that person, and God's going to send you to them, and while you go to them, you're going to have to go out of your way, you're going to have to go out of your comfort, and you're going to go pray for a person, and while you're praying for them, God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost. Lift your hands if you want it right now. Call upon the name of the Lord for the next few minutes. Oh God, help me. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'll tell you, disruptive. Peter is at Simon the Tanner's house. And if you read in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 10, it says, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But then the Holy Ghost disrupted him. But while they made ready, what were they making ready? Supper. Now don't mess with a man's supper. Now, I might be from California, but my dad's from Missouri and my mom's from Arkansas. And I understand there's a large difference between dinner and supper. Supper's when the fried chicken and the sweet tea comes out. Oh, I had a Tudor's biscuit a few days ago. Hallelujah. It didn't have nothing on your biscuit, though, praise God. Simon Peter is hungry. And he's wanting to eat dinner. He became very hungry, as a matter of fact, and was ready to eat. And while he's going about his business, Lord have mercy, he's up on top of the roof and he smells the bacon crackling. Anybody wake up to the smell of bacon? You know what I'm talking about? Just that aroma? Oh, he smells every, it's, it's that aroma's filling all the way to the roof. Oh, I'm ready to eat. And then right in the middle of his everyday life, God, boom, puts him in a trance. He gives him a vision. And in this vision, the Bible says that he sees unclean animals come to him. And he says, Lord, there's no way I can eat these. I've, I've never let anything unclean touch my lips. And, and the Lord is saying, rise, Peter, slay and eat. But in, in, in my life, in the way that I'm used to operating, I don't do those things. I don't eat those things. And God's saying three times, rise, Peter, slay and eat. And he disrupts Peter's normal so that we can have the uttermost revival. Because up until Acts 10, you see that Jerusalem has had revival. You see that Samaria has had revival. You see that Judea has had revival. But there's a fourth part to that promise. And that is the uttermost part of the world. And you have Peter who has reached all three levels. But that fourth level is where you and I come in. Because this was 
him going to the Gentiles and had somebody not allowed revival to disrupt their everyday life there would have never been the, the, the Gentile revival that God was wanting to send the people can I preach to everybody under the sound of my voice the revival that God is wanting to send this place is not going to be the revival that you're used to it's not going to look like other revivals has looked because God is going to use you God's going to disrupt you and if you're really hungry you've got to be willing to let him shake up your everyday life Oh, Lord, lift your hands. I'm dealing with an old spirit right now, and you don't scare me or intimidate me. We're coming after an ideology that says we'll let the preacher do all the work, and I'll just show up and get fed when it's easy. No way, no how. There's a release of the supernatural in this place. God's wanting to call everybody under the sound of my voice to be used in the gifts of the spirit. Let's talk about Stephen for just a second. I know I'm preaching long. I'm almost done. Stephen was a man that was just really a layman in the church. Stephen was just a man that had the Holy Ghost. But when the time came for God to disrupt the church in Acts chapter 6, he said, I need seven men that are full of the Holy Ghost. And he finds these men that are full of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, by your and I standards... Stephen would not have been a licensed card-carrying minister. He wouldn't have been. Stephen would have just been a good, faithful individual in the church. Now, I need you to think about that. Stephen would have not been the guy that gets up in the pulpit every Sunday and every Wednesday. Stephen was just a faithful man that stayed full of the Holy Ghost. And the second time you hear about Stephen, he's not just full of the Holy Ghost, but he's full of faith and the Holy Ghost. God's been trying to increase our faith around here. Oh, I'm going to say, God is trying to increase your faith to believe for greater than you've ever seen before. God is trying to stretch your mentality to believe that he's trying to use you to do things that he's never used you before to do. Oh yes you can sir. Oh yes you can ma'am. It doesn't matter if you've never seen anybody healed before. You've got to have faith that God's going to use you to see somebody healed and filled today. They were full of faith and they were full of the Holy Ghost. And the third time you hear about Stephen, it says he's full of faith and power. Because if you stay full of faith and the Holy Ghost long enough, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall receive power. And when you get full of the Holy Ghost and you get full of faith, it's not long before the dunamis, which is what that word power means, where we get the word dynamite, where the explosive nature of the power of God shows up like we've been feeling around here the last few nights where he just explodes in a service where he just explodes in a prayer meeting where he just explodes in a young minister session where he just shows up now you gotta hear this Stephen is just a good faithful saint but yet 
He gets full of the Holy Ghost. He gets full of faith. And he gets full of power. And Stephen goes on down to the city center. And the Bible says that by the hands of Stephen, miracles and signs and wonders start to happen. Stephen, just a good, faithful individual, says, you know what? If God can use them, God can also use me. If God can use Dylan Morgan, God can use you. If God can use him, God can use you. If God can use her, God can use you. See, we don't like that type of thinking. Oh, is this all right? We don't like that type of thinking because we come to church as a consumer. We come to church and we come to church to dine. Hmm, I, I wasn't trying to get into all this today, but this is the idea of how we come into church. We come to church and we say, move me, preacher. We come to church and we say, until you preach a revelation that's going to get me off my chair, I'm not moving, bless God. We come to church and we say, I'm ready to eat, I'm ready to eat, I'm ready to eat. But what God has called the church to be is you don't come to church to eat, you come to church to produce. He told them, he said, I'm going to send you into a land flowing with milk and honey. That's what he said. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. Manna and quail's coming down. They're dining on manna and quail. They're dining on manna and quail. They get in the wilderness. The Bible says that they ate of the old fruit of the land that year. And the Bible says immediately the manna and the quail did seize. The manna and the quail seized because they tasted of a new fruit in a new land. And they were going to have to learn that no more was it going to come down. But when you cross over the process of Christian maturity... You can't wait for it to be fed to you. You've got to learn how to go to the vine and grind something out yourself. He said, I'm going to send you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, when I think of a land flowing with milk and honey, when I come into that land, I've got my double-stuffed Oreo ready to find a river flowing with milk. But that wasn't the promise of God. What God was really trying to teach them was this. I'm going to send you to a land flowing with milk and honey. But you want to know how that land's going to flow? When you learn how to go to a beehive and you learn how to extract the honey from the beehive. Because the bee is there. The honey is there. But I need somebody to learn how to operate in a land where you can take it what's already yours. You want to know how you're going to see a river flowing of milk when you learn how to tend to a cow? Because if you're going to see a river of honey and milk and flowing, you've got to learn. It's not about what can I eat. It's about how much can I give. And so God puts you in a land where he's trying to teach you how to produce. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. This place has crossed over this week into a new season. And while the season has shifted, there's going to be some of you that are coming waiting to be fed. And God's saying, I try to feed you on Monday. I try to feed you on Tuesday. I try to feed you on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And the reason that you're starving is because the only time you get bread... 
is Sunday and Wednesday when I have an abundance of bread on the vine on Monday. I've got rivers of honey flowing on Tuesday. I've got rivers of milk flowing on Thursday. God's looking for a people that say, I'm not just here to get fed. I've got something to give and it's called the Holy Ghost. You've got the power of the Holy Ghost within you. Your hand clap does more than you realize. Your hallelujah does more than you realize. Come on, lift your voice right now. Lift your voice. I wish somebody would say I'm a producer. I've got something to give. Disrupt me, oh God. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Take 30 seconds, 30 seconds, and produce something in your row right now. Come on, really shift your mind right now. Ten more seconds. Release your voice right now. Come on. Take ten seconds right now and shift your mindset on how you're about to have church for the next day. Come on. Come on. see lift your hands just for a few seconds lift your hands
if you study the book of Joshua chapter 5, it says they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Now somewhere in Sunday school, maybe I'm missing it, I thought the moment they crossed over Jordan, they went straight and took Jericho. But in reality, that's not what happened. If you study that year, it literally means they were in the plains of Jericho. Read it. 365 days before they ever took Jericho itself. Why did they have to be in the plains of Jericho that year? Because it took a year of them learning how to go to the vine and produce a flow. They were in slavery for 430 years. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. You add all of that together, that's a long time of relying on somebody else to feed you. But when they step into Canaan, God says, now you're in a land and a territory where it's not going to be just delivered to you. But you're going to learn that everything that you see is already yours. And you're going to learn that on that vine, that barley that you need to make that bread does not belong to the enemy anymore. But that barley that's hanging on that vine belongs to you. And you've got to go. And you've got to pull the barley off. You've got to grind the barley down. You've got to make it into a fine flour. You've got to put it in the oven. You've got to learn how to go to the wheat. You've got to learn how to go to the grapes. And you've got to learn how to press them and create the flow so that you can have in this moment what I'm wanting you to have. And when we're in these moments right here, we're waiting and we're waiting on something to happen for the preacher to release something. But where God is calling the church to right now is it's already been released because you're in the promised land. And if you're in the promised land, everything that you need is at the tip of your fingers. All you've got to do is learn how to stand, learn how to to loose and learn how to let God flow through you. Stephen was the first person outside of the apostles recorded in the book of Acts to do a miracle. But after Stephen, there were multiple that were willing to step out under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and see miracle signs and wonders. Can I preach to you today? You might be the first and the only in this congregation to step out. But if you'll be the one to step out, you can become the catalyst for the rest of the body to see God's ready to release it to the church of the living God. God's saying I want you to do it. I want you to go. I want you to see. I want you to have it. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Stand with me all across the house. Stand with me right now. If you're able, I want you to gather around this altar right now. We're dealing with an old devil in this room right now. We're dealing with an old principality and mindset. And tradition is not wanting to let you let it go right now. But the Holy Ghost is going to break it in this atmosphere today. 
I want every hand lifted all across this house. I want you to lift your voice and I want you to pray with fervor and intensity right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus.